Welcome to the Experience Christian Church Message Podcast. We are a church startup based out of Exton, Pennsylvania, committed to giving the community a fresh start with God and with church. Our mission is to help people experience God's love in a practical way. We would love to connect with you. Would you text ECC info to 94000 or go to our website, experiencecc.org for more information and to learn how you can be a part of our community. Enjoy today's message. So the kids, they've been back in school about a month now. They're getting to know their new teachers. Their teachers are getting to know them. And I'm looking forward to asking their teachers my favorite question. What job do you think they'll have in the future? We've had some really interesting responses to that question over the years. Each kid has had pretty consistent responses as well. For one of them, they've always been highly organized, a rule follower, a strong student. Teachers have said things like engineer or think tank manager. Another one of my children has been shy, yet funny, smart, yet caring. They get teacher or social worker. And then there's one of them, strong-willed, intense, energetic, energetic. They like to tell others how they should do things, including teachers, how they should do things. And for that one, we've heard president or powerful leader over and over again. It's fun hearing and pondering each of their futures. As a parent, you know exactly what I want them to be when they grow up, right? In ministry, exactly. I will not accept anything other than doing something for Jesus vocationally. That's not true at all. I want for my kids the same thing I'd like for you when it comes to vocation. I want them and for you to be happy. But happiness, when it comes to vocation, it can be misleading, can it? How do we connect happiness and satisfaction with our work? Is it about making lots of money? Is it about doing something we're passionate about? Is there a dream job that also pays well and we can take our passions to? Hey, here's a question. Does God create a unique, perfect job out there just for us and we just need to find it? If so, it appears that many people haven't yet found their dream job. Surveys say nearly 70% of Americans feel disengaged from their work, and sadly, many people feel it's too late to change careers. So here's what they do. They just continue down the work rut they found themselves in for another 5 or 10 or 20 or 40 or 50 years, and they're counting down until they can really retire and really start living. This quote to me was very interesting. It said, The tragedy of life is not that it ends so soon, but that we wait so long to begin it. So the question is, do we need to wait a long time to start living our best life? Is there anything we can do in the here and now? Let's take a moment to reflect on our current state of work. If you were to look at the work you've been doing these days, whether you're a retiree that volunteers at a place, a stay-at-home parent, a caretaker, and maybe somebody that you care for an aging parent, or a student, a part-time employee, or a full-time employee, or you are again filling out a volunteer role, rank your satisfaction on a scale of 1 to 10 on the work you're doing day in and day out. If you're having a hard time quantifying your satisfaction level, let me give you a few practical questions that may help you put it in perspective. One would be, how do you feel about your next shift or the next time you report in? Are you excited about returning there? Or do you have the, oh man, here we go again syndrome? Don't ask me how you create this kind of statistic, but according to researchers, Monday mornings are so depressing for most workers that on average, they don't crack a smile at work until 11, 16 a.m. Well, Sundays are my Monday, so here's a big smile for you. Here's another question. Can you leave your work at work? Do you have a sense of peace at the end of your day, and can you find rest after your work shift? Can you leave the baggage acquired at work at work? And if you choose to talk about it, it's because you want to. You don't have to. In other words, 
You don't need to vomit out or purge all the negative things that happened at school or work during your hard day. Another question is, do you feel good about your job? Do you feel like you're making a difference, whether it's the work you're doing or interacting with the people you're working with? Do you feel your job matters? Well, in lieu of these questions, how do you rank your satisfaction level? Is it closer to one, not so much, or not good at all, or 10, where you are living the dream, working the dream? Have you ever taken the time to think about it? You know, for a lot of people, work is just a necessary evil, a part of their lives, but is that how it should be? If your job satisfaction is low, here's what I want for you. I want you to know that it's possible to make a change. And if you find yourself miserable at work, you can ask God to help you make that change. Hear this. The last thing I want for my kids is for them to feel stuck. And I'm convinced the last thing your Heavenly Father would want for you is for you to be stuck. Now, admittedly, there are seasons that we need to endure. Sorry, kids, you're going to school this week. But if you are in a job that is causing you pain or undue stress, if there is no light at the end of the tunnel, if this is not a season, or if you feel like a square peg in a round hole, I want to encourage you to ask God to provide you with an alternative path and for Him to guide you in your next steps. Today, as we continue in our series, Good Work, Finding Passion and Purpose in the Space We Are In, we're addressing the question, am I in the space God created me to fill? Now, to be clear, I'm not convinced that God has created a particular job with a particular shift and you have a particular employee number that just had to be no, I think that God is God. He can choose to do that. But for each of us, he's provided us with abilities. And he gives us the freedom to choose our vocation. However, I'm also convinced that each of us, every single one of us, is uniquely made with unique passions and purpose. And we each have unique experiences. And it provides us opportunities to find unique roles. I believe that when we find that unique role, the 90,000 hours that we'll spend working, a whopping third of our lives, it doesn't need to be miserable doesn't have to be endured. It made me think of this text. The Apostle Paul said this in Ephesians 5 in a section Bible commentators label living by the Spirit's power. There it says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to unpack these verses a bit because this is the opposite of coasting through life, waiting to retire, living for the weekend. Verse 15 says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Other translations say, Pay careful attention to how you walk. Paul's use of the term carefully literally means with exactness, with accuracy, with precision. To be careful is the opposite of being careless. Paul's saying, don't be careless with your life. Think about the way you're living it, what you're investing in. Have purpose in how you live your life. When the Bible uses the word fool, this isn't about intelligence, having a low IQ. No, in Scripture, being a fool is living without any regard for the future consequence of the actions you're taking today. It's the idea that how I'm living today, it's not going to impact the future. It doesn't play a big role in my happiness. It's just here and now. But it also has a unique thing. It's rejecting God's leading us in situations. It's choosing to do things our own way. It's also accepting the way things they are. It's kind of this pervasive, it is what it is attitude. Paul is saying, don't live like that, but instead be wise. Examine where the path you're on is going to take you. 
Engage your mind. Seek God's will and surrender to it. In verse 16, Paul says, Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. He says, not sometimes. Paul says, every opportunity. Because these days are evil. Interesting, the word evil here means pain-ridden or full of misery. And we can see that in many days. They don't naturally go as they should, do they? So we should be wise and cautious as we navigate through them. And that's why Paul says in verse 17, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Engaging in purpose isn't natural at times. It takes energy to go against the current. When we drift, we're wasting opportunities to do great things. And rather than drift, we should focus on God and rely on Him to show us how to live wisely. In verse 18, it says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I have a confession for you. It may shock you. Depending on how you were raised, this may cause a rift between us, but that's just the way it is, and I've got to be honest. At times, sometimes, I enjoy country music. I said it. Especially when I'm doing a few particular activities. One is working in my garage or building stuff. Probably goes back to my childhood when I was forced to listen to country music while I was helping my dad work. Matter of fact, there's some counseling that can probably break that habit for me. Anyway, there are things that I never do to country music, exercise, or listen to with my wife because she hates it. But give me the right environment and the right situation, and it's heavenly to me. I just enjoy the country music. Now, I could name the top current artists. I could probably name one or two. But what I do often is I jump on Spotify and pick out hot country and then lean in. But I'll be honest with you, some of it just makes me sad. It's not that it makes me angry. It's just sad because this whole getting through the work week attitude and then drink all weekend and get back to the grind on money, it can be disheartening, a message. To be clear, it's not in every song, but needing to medicate after a tough work day or work week isn't the solution for God's best in our lives. If it is, we might need to change jobs, or at least our perspective needs to change. Because I don't want my life, or my kids' lives, or your life, to be a push through the week. Endure the week just to live through the weekend. That's why in verse 18 and 20, Paul's encouraging us to not segment our lives, but to live every day filled with the Holy Spirit. In verses 19 and 20, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks for everything to God the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this may mean listening to worship music. There's nothing wrong with that. But what it certainly means is walking in step with the Holy Spirit at all times. Giving God thanks in everything we do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who gives everything that's good. This text is in complete opposition to a fragmented mindset. What I mean by a fragmented mindset, it means that on Sunday, in the mornings, I'm going to do my God thing. And then football starts at 1 o'clock, all bets are off. Then on Mondays, I'm going to go to work, I'm going to go to work, I'm going to work. I'll try to have a good attitude, I'll try to smile at 11 o'clock. That's 16 minutes before other people do at the office, I'll be ahead of the curve. Except for that one annoying guy who's always a ray of sunshine. I can't top him, I can't, I have my limits. I'll keep to myself, I'll push through till Friday. Then Saturday, Saturday is my day. I'm going to golf, I'm going to go hang out with the girls, let some steam out. Then, I'll show up to church again on Sunday morning, and we start it all over. I have my walls. My life is chunked. It's categorized. I have my expectations, and this is my life until I retire or win the lottery. Then I'm going to really start living. Paul is saying that's not living at all. And as Lewis said, the tragedy of life is not that it ends so soon, but that we wait so long to begin it. Paul is saying to live life now, 
that we were created to live in. Make this shift. This text is for the context of all our lives, but to be honest, I've never looked at it in the context of work specifically. I'm taking some liberties here, but check out the verse with work substitute in it. If I was to take verse 15, it would say, so be careful how you work. Don't work like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Understanding what the Lord wants us to do in the context of work has two implications that come to mind. The first we covered last week. It's doing the work for God and not for the person that signs our paychecks. We invite God into every aspect of our work and we do it to please Him, to be a light, to love others well. But this week, I think we need to consider the way God created us and see if the work we are doing is a good fit for the way we were created. It is indeed asking the question, am I in the space God created me to fill? Is the work I'm doing or engaging in or volunteering in a good fit for me? Is this just a job or just a position? It can be a scary question. This can be an alter, a life-altering question. I mean, think for a minute. How'd you end up doing the job or the role that you're currently doing? Was it based on a need? Was it the result of a wise choice or did it just happen? Did you feel led by Jesus to take on this role or did you just fall into it? Did your part-time job become a full-time job which then became a career before you knew it? Did you take on a family business? It's not like you actually had a choice. This is what your family has always done. You never gave it any thought. You were just set up for it. Did you choose a vocation based on job security? You looked at what was the most successful secure job so you're like, I'm going to do that one. Maybe it was about the money. Maybe it was because you specified a major in college. Maybe you feel stuck or trapped in your job. I talked to a pastor this week that coaches other ministers, and they said they were in ministry, not necessarily because they feel called to it, but rather because they chose a particular school and got a Bible degree, and now they're not sure what other choice they have. If that's you, these kind of questions, they can stress us out, but they don't need to, because we could also see God in this, to trust him to give us some next steps. I don't believe God wants us to be stuck. And I believe you can, as Paul said, understand what the Lord wants you to do. So how do we do that? Well, we can consider how God has created us and look for the way he's been at work in our lives. Because here's what I believe is true. Wherever we see God at work in our lives reveals the good work God wants to do with our lives. Let me say that again. Wherever we see God at work in our lives, this reveals the good work God wants to do with our lives. Again, I want to be clear. This is more than just where we get a paycheck. The work I'm referring to could be where you're paid, but it also could be where you serve. It could be as you care for your family, as you serve here at Experience or any other organization. Because here's what I know is true. If you're still breathing, God has good work for you to do. In this broken and dark world and herded and fragmented world, things still need fixed and light needs to be shown. So if you're breathing, Ephesians 2.10 is still true for you. God wants you to surrender your life to him to do the things he longs to accomplish in and through you. And what's Ephesians 2.10? It says, for we are God's handiwork, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Another word for handiwork is masterpiece. So when you consider, am I doing the work God created me to do? We can explore that question by considering how God created us. We can focus on three critical areas, our abilities, our passions, and our experiences. So let's first focus on our abilities. Psalm 139 is a beautiful psalm that goes into great length about God has uniquely made every one of us. He was with us when we were formed in our mother's womb. 
He knows us intimately now, and he says plainly that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. David said these words in verse 14, Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. David understood that he was wonderfully made, and he identified his own abilities and said, How well I know it. Do you know what you're good at? Have you taken time to think about your natural abilities? Peter Drucker is known as the father of management, and he said most people think they know what they're good at, and they're usually wrong. You've seen this play out in big ways via reality TV and talent shows, right? But it also plays out in many of our everyday lives. We've never stopped to honestly assess what we're good at. You know, if you're a Christ follower, not only do you have natural gifts, you're also provided with spiritual gifts as well from the Holy Spirit who lives within you. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7 says, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. You know, some of us are naturally have drifted to an occupation that fits our gifting. It works for us, and that's wonderful. But others, we've drifted to a job, and if we're honest, it's not so much of a good fit. Maybe it used to be, but we got a promotion, and now we do things that we're not as good at as maybe we are laid on to be. Make a list of all the things you're responsible for at work. Make that list and ask other people their candid opinion if you're not sure. How am I really doing in this? I'm not fishing for compliments. I just want to know how I'm really doing. Another thing you could do is you could invest in some personality and assessment inventories. Consider how God created you in those ways. Don't worry about if you're a good fit for your current role. If you're miserable, you probably already know you're not a good fit. It could also be a particular parts of your role that are draining. I got into ministry because I love people, not spreadsheets. Force me to spend significant time doing budgets and bills and reimbursements, ordering things, book, booking venues. These tasks suck the life out of me. Too much of these tasks and I can't focus on the things I'm passionate about. How's God wired you? Be excited about the abilities he's given you. If people give you energy, make sure your role is full of people. If people exhaust you, schedule breaks to hide in the basement. Do you get energy by dreaming and coming up with elaborate visions? Or do you find it a complete waste of time and you would rather get things done and check things off the list? You are uniquely made to play a role in God's family. Neither is more important. Everything is required. One last thing about abilities. Personalities, tests, and gift assessments, they can only provide you with feedback where you have experience. You're not going to have the gift of teaching if you've never exercised that gift. You have to begin experimenting, trying new stuff, take on new tasks at work, try different roles. Don't be afraid of failure. Talents and spiritual gifts, they need to be exercised and developed. Have fun learning and taking new opportunities. If you're breathing, you can take on good work. Keep learning and harnessing your abilities. Next, you should consider your passions. You found your passion when you say something like this to someone. Hey, don't tell anybody, but I do this job for free. Shocking, isn't it? But there's probably something at your work you do for free. It's the kind of work you do and you lose track of time. Your heart beats for it. Well, what unique passions has God given you? What role do you enjoy taking? Are you obsessed with type fonts or grammar? Boy, do I have a job for you. Are those things nasty to you and you could care less? Is there a cause that you naturally rally around? Is there a people group you feel drawn to? What makes your heart skip a beat or what breaks your heart? This can help you identify your passions. Well, God wants you to see your work and the passion you have combined. It's not just duty. It's important to recognize you can find your passion play out in the culture of your work also. 
You may not care about the task you're completing in, but you love the community you work with. There you can find your passion enhanced as well. A test for passion is two things. One, it's your enthusiasm. You are internally motivated to do this work. No one has to challenge you or check up on you. You don't need attaboys or attagirls. You just love it. The second telltale is effectiveness. You have a drive to improve and better your abilities because it matters to you. Well, where do you sense your passion in your life? And lastly, consider your experiences. No one has had your collection of life experiences. No one was born into the family that you were born into. The subjects and the teachers you learned from in school. The previous jobs and managers you've worked under. The ways you've thought about God and faith. And also the problems you've faced. The hardships you've endured. The battles you've won and the battles you've lost. All your experiences are unique to you. The last one I mentioned, the painful experiences. God has a way of using those for ministry. And when I say ministry, it's just ways to get people to think about Him and to use those things for good. The Bible is clear that God wants to bring good from even the most painful experiences we've had in our lives. And a statement that's often said is, God never wastes a pain. Aldous Huxley, he said, experience is not what happens to you. It is what you do with what happens to you. It's by the, taking the time, processing your abilities, your passions, and your experiences that you're able to understand what the Lord wants you to do. Again, because wherever we see God at work in our lives reveals the good work God wants to do with our lives. So whether you feel a need to change roles at your job, change your career, or find a ministry to serve with, I hope you will see that God has good work for you to do, work that's desperately needed. A resource I would recommend to you is The Purpose Driven Life, and in particular, the chapters dedicated to serving. There you'll find a great resource expanding on how God has uniquely shaped you. But back to Paul's words, so be careful how you live or work. Don't live or work like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Why is this important, my friends? Because you, my friends, are fearfully and wonderfully made. You have been given unique abilities, passions, and experiences, and you need to use those to go and change the world, to do good work, work filled with passion and purpose in the space that you're in. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the gift of today and the gift to reflect on your word that has the ability to change us. God, if we're truly going to do good work, we need to merge with your spirit and allow you to work in us and through us to make an impact. Thanks again for this morning and this opportunity we have. We love you and we're thankful for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope something you heard today will draw you closer to God and encourage you to know him better. If you found this message podcast helpful, please subscribe, write a review, and consider sharing it with someone else. If there is anything we can do for you, a question we could talk through with you, a prayer we could say on your behalf, or a need you have, please don't hesitate to let us know. We are better together. Please connect with us soon. Take care.